welcome to Fort Wayne Ballet's Kinetic Conversations. I'm Jim Sparrow. Our topic for this episode, stepping beyond the tried and true. We all know about war horses and creating opportunities for your audiences to discover new classics or treasures is sometimes a challenge. This is balanced if we're an artistic or an executive director with the audience perceptions and selling tickets or earned revenue versus mission. And then also the engagement of the dancers and growing repertoire and keeping them engaged. With all that said, Fort Wayne Ballet will be producing in the next few weeks, Midsummer Night's Dream, Our guest today to talk about this opportunity and challenge is Artistic Director Karen Gibbons-Brown. Karen, welcome. Thank you for having me. So let's start. What makes a ballet a classic? Is it story? Is it reputation? What is it? I think we start with the time period in which it was created. So generally, when we think about a classic ballet, those are from the classical era of dance. As we progress through time into the 20th and 21st century, we're going to have to reframe what a classic is. Now you'll look at something like Balanchine's Serenade or Massine's The Blue Danube and say, that's a classic as well. So we've moved from the time period to something that remains a trying point, a benchmark for dancers. But you're talking about something that's a classic within the confines of the dance world. I'm looking at it from the standpoint of recognizability. So when we're talking about classic in the sense that it goes up on the season and immediately before we start marketing, people go, oh, I want to go see that, even if they've never seen it. What are those elements? Why do you think that happens? I think name recognition is the first thing you look at. For us, some of these ballets that we do are classics. The dancers know these stories. They've grown up hearing them and learning them. I think you have also, in the case of Midsummer Night's Dream, Shakespeare is a classic. How much more of a classic could you possibly present? Shakespeare was not really tapped as a ballet source for a storyline until the 20th century. Let's delve in a little deeper. Some ballets, even those that maybe have name recognition at various periods, are on their way to becoming classics. Right. They're recognizable. Absolutely. And then they fall out of favor. Give us some examples of maybe some of those that were on their way to becoming classics or recognizable, and maybe over the last 100 years or 50 years or 20 years, they fall out of favor. Well, the first thing I think of when you ask that question is Swan Lake. It was a dismal failure when it was first presented. Who would have thought? Now when you think of a ballet, you often hear it even in situation comedies on television, oh, we're going to see Swan Lake. And it's so recognizable. So it did not become a part of general repertoire until the early 20th century, yet it was created several years ahead of that. Nobody wanted to see it. It didn't come back into popularity until Tchaikovsky passed away, and they did a memorial service for him and presented the new improved Swan Lake, and it's taken off since then. I think you have some others, too. You have some works. For instance, several of the Ballet Russe works sort of got lost in the shuffle, not lost in dancers' minds or memories, but lost in the shuffle. Now they've resurged, and you know they're pretty recognizable. One that I think of right away is The Firebird. So many people know that, yet it was based on a Russian folk tale and presented to represent Russian ballet to the rest of the world. So taking that just a little bit deeper into the conversation. When you talk about something that maybe when it was premiered, Nutcracker, perfect example, it doesn't have resonance and it comes back. What about the general population or the general mystique of the story or whatever that might be? I think of Swan Lake and the whole Swan Princess story and the fairy tale. I mean, at some point, there is a little bit of that that comes into play. People with Cinderella think they know the story, whether they've ever seen the ballet. I wonder how much of popular culture plays a lot into reinforcing something that really, whether it's a classic or not, they believe it is because of some familiarity. 
Well, I think there's truth in that. I think also that choreographers today remember dance as more widespread than it was at the time these classics were created, or even Ballet Russe was touring the world with their particular repertoire. So choreographers are always looking for something new to present. It's also very time-stamped in that presenting literature is a rather popular thing right now. So although Midsummer Night's Dream is a ballet that's been done before, we did it, what, 15 years ago? I'm talking the turn of the 21st century. That's become a very popular thing to do. And you have many companies around the world presenting what we would consider as classics through dance. Remember, dance is communication. We're telling a story through movement. So all we're doing is bringing the pages of the book in 3D to our audience. So regardless of whether you're talking to a person who's never been to the ballet or you're talking to a board member or somebody who's engaged with the ballet who immediately sees the popular or the more recognizable and saying, we need to do more of that. Even in that case, you need to expand menus and repertoire and you need to expand people's horizons. And also when those things happen, many times you discover something you like much better than the classic. You right. would never have seen it. Right. So thinking about that, how do you program those lesser known or those that you feel like have the opportunity to catch some Somebody if they go in and not expecting a classic or something you recognize, but might come out thinking, you know what, I, I really liked that. I think one of the easiest ways to do it, and it's by certainly not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but one of the most common ways to do it is in a repertory performance. So you sandwich it. It's called the ham and eggs approach. You give them something they know and are comfortable with on either side of it, and you present a new work in the middle. And that was Lucia Chase, director of American Ballet Theater. She was she was a genius at that, presenting new works and moving the audience forward through the ham and eggs approach. I think when you have the full-length ballets, that's a little more difficult. People are afraid to invest an entire evening or are concerned about investing an entire evening in a story they may or may not know. So some of that depends on the marketing, and some of that just depends on enjoying stories being told through movement. We often get the question from children in the audience, why don't you talk in the ballet? So we go through the whole story of gesture studies and pantomime and what this particular step means when we do it a certain way. We're just telling stories. So when we talk about marketing or encouraging an audience member or beginning to engage, what do we need to maybe be thinking about? I think back to my first time you know, in college trying Indian or Chinese cuisine or something that I hadn't tried before, but opens a whole new door. The reason I did it was because a friend was like, we got to try this. I mean, there were these sort of things that got you to sort of get past that threshold. Where are there opportunities for us to open new doors and how do you see it after being in the field for so long? <laughs> I have been in the field a while. I think the most common thing I hear is, oh, I know that ballet or I know what Fort Wayne Ballet is. If you haven't seen Fort Wayne Ballet in the last few years, you really haven't seen Fort Wayne Ballet. We've grown and evolved so much and changed, and it's for the positive. I think the same thing with a story ballet. For instance, La Fille Margardet, The Badly Guarded Girl. It's a comedy. It is one of the funniest ballets and repertoire that we do, but the name is a little off-putting. So I think that when people say they know the ballet, we have to politely say, but do you know this ballet with these dancers? And again, remembering that, to dig a little deeper, as you would say, that every dancer presents a ballet a different way. And there are people that go to five nights of Swan Lake because each dancer presents those parts differently. We don't really have people in our community that tend to do that. But I think every time you present something new or something different, if people would give it a try, they'd be surprised. 
Fort Wayne Ballet and the Fort Wayne Philharmonic are doing a co-production and staging uh, Midsummer Night's Dream March 20th through 22nd this year, 2020. Immediately, as you even talked about, one thinks of Shakespeare, and that might be high school English in a story that might be <laughs> hard to get through due to the language. But the story is quite accessible and fun. It, it, it's even magical. Talk about the story. The story is fun, and this ballet is actually a comedy as well. The entire first act is a comedy of errors. And I think what's fairy tale like about it is you have the fairy world creating havoc upon the human world. And the human world does not understand why things aren't working out. So you have, do you remember when you were younger and you saw Peter Pan and do you believe in fairies and you were supposed to keep Tinkerbell alive? I think that is exactly what the first act of Midsummer Night's Dream particularly is. It's got the fairies and they're not all creating havoc, but you have Puck, the character Puck. If you're a parent, you know that your child has a little bit of Puck in him or her. So Puck is that child in all of us that comes to the stage to create challenges and humorous experiences for the humans. In this particular version, we've color-coded the humans because it is such a crisscross. It's not just a love triangle, it's a love crazy mess. So we've color-coded the couples that are supposed to be together, and if they aren't with the correct color, obviously Puck has been involved in that process. You talked a little bit about elements that sort of lead to the assumption, but it is in fact a ballet that would appeal to adults and children. Some don't. Absolutely. And as we're rehearsing it, we began Act Two rehearsal, and the first section is what we know as the wedding march. And what surprised me was so many of our dancers did not realize that was a Mendelssohn composition. So there's familiar music in the ballet as well. And just with that, the full experience of being in a fully staged performance, which doesn't happen very often when you have the full sets, the stage action, both in terms of the acting and the dancing, and then the live music, that's not usual. We also days. have the children's choir, and we have a, a narrator to help you through the story. Janice Fertner is our narrator. She'll be the moon fairy. She's, of course, on stage in costume, but she is a part of that as well. So it's a pretty dimensional performance. You alluded to with La Fila Margarde and a potential gem that people don't know about, whether they've not been to the performance or they don't know the name. What are some other ones that might show up in the repertoire in the next four, five, six, ten years that people should keep their eyes open for? Hmm, that's a great question. Uh, I think a couple of ballets, although we've done them, deserve a second look. I think we have Don Quixote. Everybody thinks they know the story of Don Quixote, but the ballet isn't really about Don Q wandering. It's a snapshot of his journeys, which is interesting. I think La Fille Margardet is a ballet to see. I think there's some other smaller repertory pieces. I don't want to give it all away in this moment, but I think there's some not full evening ballets, but some other pieces that people would find fascinating. We'll talk for just a second about your feelings about creating new full lengths, because you're talking about things that have been created and maybe rediscovered, but we're always talking potentially mm -hmm. about what comes next. There's like opportunities. next season. Well, like next season, and, and also when you look at, and I'd be interested to hear what your feelings are, there's some full lengths that are in the repertoire now. Wizard of Oz, which Kansas City did last year, and Cincinnati's doing this year. It's a new full length in terms of a full evening of a story that people think they know. Where do you sit on that, and where's Fort Wayne Ballet in that? I think we're always open to seeing those wonderful things come to our stages, and the dancers would certainly enjoy that. I think there are a lot of stories to explore. You mentioned Wizard of Oz, but 
the world of literature is at our feet, so to speak. There are several companies now doing, and will do next year, Dracula, um, Sleepy Hollow. And then there is The Great Gatsby, which is enjoying a whole new life through dance in many companies around the world. You mentioned Dracula next year. Do you see this as something that the ballet would incorporate on a regular cycle or something it might be involved in? Or where do you see the future with that? I do. I can see Dracula becoming a part of our season every every other year or every third year. I think a couple of things to remember from the practical side of a full-length ballet is it's not just a lovely evening, but the preparation work that goes into a full evening ballet as opposed to a repertory piece is often two years or more. So there has to be a lot of backroom planning and set building and costume design and costume construction. So this is a part of why we don't see full lengths as much as we used to. The cost of them is sometimes really out of reach and it takes a couple of years to save to present those. So while I would love for Fort Wayne Ballet to do a brand new full length every year, it's really not feasible within our budget. What do you think about co-productions with other companies? I think that's the wave of the future. I do. So just to wrap things up, one last reason you might give people who are thinking about maybe buying a ticket to this performance or something in the future. I think if you want an evening of entertainment, it's the place to go. I think also sometimes ballets are created and produced and presented to make you think. Sometimes it's escapism, a romantic comedy, as in Midsummer Night's Dream. You have a lot of movies that are the same. Sometimes you want a mystery or a drama. I think dance presents all of those. So I think if you're looking for an evening of entertainment with amazing people doing amazing things on stage, you should by all means come to Fort Wayne Ballet. Karen, thanks for talking to us today. Thank you for having me. Fort Wayne Ballet and the Fort Wayne Philharmonic's A Midsummer Night's Dream performances are March 20th through March 22nd at the Arch United Center. You can purchase tickets by visiting the Fort Wayne Ballet website or the Fort Wayne Philharmonic website. That's our show. Our guest this afternoon was artistic director Karen Gibbons-Brown. My co-producers are Marcia Hetrick and John Dawkins. I'd also like to thank John for his original music, which starts and ends the show. If you'd like to receive notifications on future podcasts, please like the podcast and go to fortwayneballet.org to sign up for notifications on performances, podcasts, and more ballet news. You'll also find a library of past episodes. Until next time, I'm Jim Sparrow, and thanks for listening to Kinetic Conversations with Fort Wayne Ballet.